Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. Hello and welcome to Mythmakers. Mythmakers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. My name is Julia Golding. I'm an author but I'm also director of the centre. And today I am joined by Victoria Goddard who actually was invited on the podcast by special request of one of our listeners. So don't say we don't deliver. So if you've got any more ideas for guests, please do send them in because for me, it's been an enormous pleasure over this week actually getting to understand and read Victoria's fantasy works. So first of all, hello to Victoria. Hello, thanks for having me. So Victoria, where are we talking to you? Where's your home base? I live in Prince Edward Island, which is the smallest of the Canadian provinces. It's in Eastern Canada in the Maritimes. Fantastic. So should we have a little overview of the kind of things you write um, so people understand where you sit in the fantasy pantheon, as it were? What are the, What kind of series do you write and how would you describe them? Well, I tend to uh, tell people I write in the general kind of mythopoeic tradition from the Inklings onwards. So this was a nice fit with your podcast. Um, I'm kind of one of those English-derived medievalists by background. Uh, my family's British and um, first my dad was an emigrant actually and um, always been very, very fond of them. I tend to, I like writing kind of a vast, sprawling, interconnected narrative universe, exploring different different elements of it. And I tend to like writing... I suppose the stories that happen around the epics, what's going on after you've had the grand speech, how do you get from there to the actual work of the work of living and how you, how do you do it? That's something I find really interesting. So you recommended to me, as did the listener who wrote in, um, one of your books called The Hands of the Emperor, which I'd be absolutely thrilled to talk to you about in a moment. But you also, as you say, connected to this. You sort of dip into the history before and later and um, you use your world building to go where you want. But you also have a series which is more like a a duo, uh, two two connected characters, and that starts with the Stargazy Pie book. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um I like I, I enjoy writing a whole bunch of different kinds of books, and that's something I've always really liked um, to connect to to your kind of thing. Like I've always liked that about, say, Tolkien, where you have such different books in the same universe as The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and 
And um, so I've, I've enjoyed that or somebody like Dorothy Sayers and her mysteries where she writes different kinds of mysteries with the same characters. And so that kind of a, that's always appealed to me, that sort of stretching yourself as craft and just being able to tell different sorts of stories and focus on different elements of them. And so the Greenwing and Dart series is sort of a bit of a more. Yeah, it's a duo kind of friendly, a little a little bit of a cozy mystery sort of underlying it there and a bit of an adventure. And um, whereas the hands of the emperor is, you know, it's about a, a, among many things, it's about a bureaucrat on the edge of retirement kind of thing. And um, so, so I suppose in terms of genre, I just kind of say, well, I'm, I'm right in the middle of fantasy, but I tend to write these sort of slightly off, off kilter towards genre conventions. Yeah. And I think that's what is so wonderful about your writing, Victoria, is that you feel really original. Um, That's, there's nothing wrong with reading something which fits in a genre. So if you read a romance or a detective story, you know how it's going to turn out or a Western. You you know before you start what's going to happen more or less, but you don't know what the journey is. Whereas when I started reading Hands of the Emperor, I had no idea what the journey was going to be. And it was a pure delight. It's a longer book. It's not a sort of thing you can knock out in a, a day. Um, but I have thoroughly enjoyed my week spent with your main character, Cleopha. So, but before we come to him, um, I'm just thinking about the influence and place uh, on your stories because the Greenwing and Dart series feels quite like a, a sort of 18th century feel. I mean, people are the sort of small, t- small villagey town type society there feels like that. Whereas the the world of the hands of the emperor is very much a much bigger scale it's got um a sense of almost a mixture of the sort of chinese bureaucracy and the exams that used to have to do to be part of the chinese bureaucracy but also island culture that could be from uh, i don't know maori or pacific islands i mean you're you're creating your own world but i felt that there was a sort of sample of different elements that you were going for so as a writer, have you travelled first and gone round squirrelling away all these ideas? Or is it something that you think, oh, I want to do this and then go and have a look at it? It's a little bit of both. Um, as I said, my family's uh, British and I've spent a number of visits and some quite some time visiting family members in various parts of England and Wales particularly. And I did a year abroad in Scotland um, when I was in undergrad. And... Um, and so for me, I've always really enjoyed that kind of, yes, the 19th century, sort of the Jane Austen or early, late 18th, early 19th century, that kind of period of the early novels. Um, and then, and the sort of early Regency stuff. And then also just sort of the the kind of idealized vision that people have of Oxford and Cambridge and things like that. And I enjoyed playing with that and thinking about, I have an academic background. And so I enjoyed thinking about, you know, what, the, the good parts of that and also the bad parts of that in some ways. We haven't seen that much of the university experience, but I, I enjoy thinking about it. And um, so for me, kind of travel, I, I once spent about six months walking down the length of England and staying with various relatives and friends along the way. And so that kind of sense of the landscape um, was a great resource for me. Um, otherwise, I've lived around quite, I've moved quite a lot around Canada growing up, lived in 14 places across the country. 
And my parents spent 10 years in Papua New Guinea, which is north of Australia. And so I had a lot of stories about Papua New Guinea and Australia oh. growing up. And I think that really comes out strongly in the hands of the emperor with the yeah. White Seas Islander culture, which is um, quite strongly based on sort of Polynesian, historic Polynesian culture. But there's quite a lot of Papua New Guinean elements in there, too, from the Trobriand Islands and the Highlands, which is where my parents lived. And so I had lots of stories and like the material culture of that, that my parents had various elements of it and friends of theirs um, who come to visit us or we visited them. I've only been there once, but uh, that I remember I was there when I was very as a baby. But as an adult, I've only been there once. And so it was a very... Um, rich experience even being a quite short trip so i enjoy uh that combination I, I feel like it's important to be very respectful of other cultures and i try really hard to uh not to appropriate um cultural elements um especially for ones that have been you know historically colonized but at the same time i also think it's very important to try and broaden the base that you're building off of so the Greenwing and dart series is quite largely based off of kind of the english country tradition and country like country house um stories too right like that kind of the mysteries that you get out of or or and that, that tradition there but the hands of the emperor in the world that that's set in which is zunith I deliberately wanted it to be a non-Western European um, based society. I was, I really wanted to, to get away from that. So I, I, the different parts of Zunith are drawn from different um, non-Western cultures as a conscious choice there. And what the person who wrote in said is I, something along the lines of, I defy you not to fall in love with Cleofer. Now Cleofer <laughs> is the main character um, of the hands of the emperor. He is the hands of the emperor. You could describe him very boringly as bureaucrat, but actually he is just the most wonderful, wonderful character. Um, I was saying to you just before we started recording that he reminds me very much of the um, Count Rostov, who is the lead figure in the fantastic um, novel Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Taos, which is a historical novel. I think being filmed at the moment. Um, but the, the, how that story works is that you just love spending time with that character. And I felt absolutely the same about Cleofer. And as you were just saying, what you're thinking about in this book are things which don't make it into fantasy. It's the stuff that's not around the battle. It's um, how do you hand on power? How do you retire and there's also a really strong theme about what do the people back home think of those who have gone into another walk of life and got success elsewhere, which doesn't translate into the local context at all. They completely misunderstand him in sad ways. So when you started this book, did you start with the character and just see where it went? Or did you already have those themes in mind and then, you know, built him to fit the plot? No, it was a very character driven, um, driven book. So my, my kind of general project, as I said, I tend to, I write these sort of, it's a sprawling interconnected stories in my, in my narrative universe here. And they, they, there's sort of two parallel core um, to that, that project. One of them, there's this empire called the empire of Estandalaz, which has this catastrophic cataclysmic magical co collapse that happens. And so I, it's sort of 
one of my projects is the lead up to to that collapse and then what happens afterwards. I'm not really a dystopian kind of writer. I'm really much more interested in how do you rebuild um, what happens afterwards. But that that kind of shadow that falls across the entire um, entire cultures and individuals is something that I find a very interesting to think about. And I think this connects back to something like Tolkien and the shadow of World War One that's always behind um, all those authors of the first half of the 20th century. And I've always found that interwar period quite interesting for that with, with people not always talking directly about it, but it's always there. And so in my novels, that kind of the fall of a standalas is, is that, that culture-wide devastation that people don't always talk about, but is always there. So that's one part of the project. And then the second part of the project is this figure of, um, of one character um, and who is um, called Fitzroy Ingersoll and he's a main character in various books and referred to in other ones, he's this poet. And so as part of that, one thing I was interested in with the fall of Estandalaz and the effects of it was the character of the last emperor of Estandalaz who survives the this destruction and ends up having to kind of rebuild on a personal level. And so I started off writing this, what was going to be a short vignette uh, about the last emperor and what he was like in the period after things had sort of settled down after the fall. And I thought, oh, his secretary is probably a good window onto what he's like as a person. And so I started writing about his secretary and it was really only intended to be a couple of scenes or maybe one scene, like that was all I was doing. And by the end of the scene, I had fallen in love with Cleofer as a character. He was just so interesting and he just kind of kept going. And and that was, the story was, was, an, was an unusual one to write because I usually have more of a sense of, what the story is to start with, or at least like, I often know what the emotional tone I want to end with is, or like the, the very, the denouement. I don't always know what the climax is, but I usually know what the denouement is and where the characters end up. And so for that one, I had no sense of what the arc was at first. I just kind of kept, but I kept being drawn to writing scenes and I just kept imagining them like I'd be driving or I'd be, you know, taking the dogs for a walk or something and the scene would come into mind and I I just have to go write it. And so for, I don't know, a year, a year and a half, maybe two years, I just kind of kept going back to it and picking away at it. And I was enjoying writing it so much. Like I just love spending time with Cleofer. And eventually I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not getting any other books done. I'm just going to focus on this one and see where it takes me. And eventually at that point, I realized that the reason I had had so much problem seeing what the arc was, was because it was an incredibly long book. And so I'd written, you know, 80,000 words, which is normally coming towards the end of a, of a novel that I usually write, but that's really, I mean, not even a third of the way through this one. So the, the kind of character arc was just really getting going. And so, yeah, I just loved writing it. So the character really drove that story. I had a sense of what was going on with the with the emperor, um, and I knew at some point he was going to be leaving. You know, there, there's some elements there, but um, but Cleofer as a character just sort of shouldered his way into being sort of one of my favorites and a a really important person in my in my stories. I think it's a very good um, illustration of how it is that characters are the things that draw us to books, um, because. The, the the slice of one person's life through these momentous events is a really fascinating one to take because he passes through the fall and the mm -hmm. rebuilding. He's had his own personal journey, but no, which, which lots of people, you could have written the book about his journey home. He has his time in his life where he wants to go and find out what's going to his family, but nobody's interested. So he only gets to tell it right later on in life. And that itself is, is a really fascinating sort of, it's, do it's dodging 
the most obvious, like it's not a quest in that standard sense. It's not a there and back again uh, in, well, except I suppose it is, uh, but not in the sort of Tolkien-esque setting out to find a dragon way. Um, and what I thought was fabulous about it was the way that you're really expanding a sort of, this is what fantasy can do. Um, and, and finding a really original uh, area to to explore the stuff between main events. Well, main events are happening, but the focus is on the experience of a, a man passing through those. So I would can't recommend it enough, listeners. Go and you, you need a while. I think for, I would say that stick with it because I was I couldn't understand it to start with. Well, why are we why are we on holiday with this guy? You know, why have we started there? And you don't get it until you think, ah, okay. And something really big happens where he takes a decision and that has the consequences then kind of like the do the first domino that goes down and the rest of the book follows. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you. I think for me with that book, one of the things I find it like that I just find endlessly fascinating too is, and for and me, I feel like that question of, you have a family that you love, but you have a desire to go traveling or to go and do other things. And they may or may not understand that is, you know, is, is a very true one. We're not all orphans, you know, with fates and whatnot. Like you can just want to have those adventures. And that's something I, I explore in different parts of my stories, those kind of complicated families that, um, that are there. Cause I feel like, I don't know, the people who love their families and you can still have a complicated relationship, no matter if, you know, if you love them and are loved by them very well, but it doesn't stop you from having those desires, but it makes them much more complicated. And I find that, so like that's a thread through that story too, and kind of found families as well and how that interacts with your, with your biological family, friendship. Those are themes that I find really important too. Thank you for listening to part one of this week's podcast. Come back next week to hear part two. Thank you for listening to Mythmakers. Thanks for listening to Mythmakers podcast. Brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favourite podcasts worldwide. Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. 
And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies, and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.